A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Innovation Podcast with Mark Reed Edwards and Garnett Harriman. Let's start the show. Hi, it's Mark. Lane Jost, Environment and America's leader for PwC and a well-known impact investing expert, continues his takeover of the iPod, and he's back with Rory Mitchell on the use cases for VR and how the technology can create immersive experiences for customers to better understand sustainability. Let's get to it. So Rory, when you were talking, I was reading some of the comments on the Cascadian Farms YouTube page. So I'm just going to read a few of these, and then I want to ask another question. All right. This ad is beyond cleverness. Excellent work. I'm amazed. This is how all ads should be. This is amazing. This is the way to show ads. (laughs) This is how you get me to watch a YouTube ad. To other companies, colon, get on this level. Which is a perfect segue to my question. So, sorry, I got to read one more. Laugh out loud. This ad was from the perspective of a cow until I moved my phone. Nice job. So I'm not familiar with how YouTube comment analytics work. I don't know if you probably are. But the question is, and by the way, you can totally punt this one, is so sustainability, environmentalism, you know, labor standards. These are the kind of things that like every customer is going to be like, yeah, I'm for that. Like very few people, it depends which state you live in, but very few people are like, I'm against sustainability. But what people are against is spending more on groceries. And we know that customers are incredibly sensitive to cost. So the question is, in my understanding from what you've explained to me before, is that VR production costs more. And then let's just think of you know, a box of Cascadian Farms, and I can't think of the cereal, but one of their cereals is probably more expensive than Cheerios. So the question becomes, is this technology from a marketing standpoint just basically like playing to the choir, playing to the customer that already going to spend more, that already cares? Or do you think there's a way for VR to move swing customers who might kind of be open-minded about organics or sustainability or just some kind of a product that has some kind of attribute that has other value? Do you think VR can convert people? I think it's because it is eye-catching. I think that it's a value statement on the part of the businesses because I think it also implies some other things about that business, that that business is forward-thinking, that that business is attempting to use technology to kind of solve its problems in a better way. I think it says more about the company than possibly what is actually contained in the video itself because I think it shows a willingness to embrace technological solutions to old problems of, in this case, you know, of telling your story. And I think that Cascadian Farms got a lot of credit from its potential customers that maybe had never heard of them before, but to kind of come at it in such an eye-opening and an eye-popping way, I think 
they probably converted a lot of people who had never heard of Cascadian farms before. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Some of the work that I've been part of, a lot of it is around sort of corporate reporting, and some of it is just the certain data that's required to get in the market through certain third-party standards or just kind of what shareholders and the community kind of stakeholders expect. But I think what we know about humans is numbers have quite limited value. Even though there's a demand to be transparent, there's also always a demand for there to be like a story arc. And so we live in this moment when you know, sort of a richness of storytelling mediums. And you think about something like climate change. Oh, yeah. Some incredibly powerful VR experiences have been made about climate change. I want to get into that because from a guy whose job is like to help corporates reduce their carbon emissions, so there's a couple challenges, right? So one is just figuring out an operating business model that can provide for the continuity of business operations, but then also reduce the emissions associated with that business. That's, that's the, sort of the challenge. Another challenge in this space is getting senior level people to feel comfortable with trade-offs that are made. So it might be that you travel less. It might be that you make your office space more efficient, whatever it is. But all of that is like, how do you tell the story? And I think the thing with climate change just in general and in fairness to just the world and to people that are maybe concerned citizens is just so nebulous. Everyone gets their cup at Starbucks and it's like, oh, I don't want it to go to the landfill. And then they find out it's, you know, wax line and can't be recycled and kind of freak out and try to recycle it anyway. And then, you know, that leads to bad or worse recycling. But the point is, it's so hard for like people to engage in something like climate change. And then you've got things like carbon offsets where somebody might buy a reforestation project in the Mississippi River Valley and through the life cycle of that tree, it sequesters a certain amount of carbon. We're already in this like weird, confusing space. So what are some other use cases? And it doesn't have to be carbon, it doesn't have to be waste, it doesn't have to be recycling, but just more generally that you think are kind of maybe undeveloped in VR and that like brands, corporates, communities, cities, whatever the stakeholder is, could leverage VR for communicating a message that really is still misunderstood. I think there's a lot there. I think you touched upon a lot of important possibilities. And I think that I'll just start by describing some of the experiences that I've had that have changed the way I looked at one concern or another. There's an experience called Greenland Melting, which was made by Emblematic VR, Nani de la Pena's group, in collaboration with Frontline and Nova. And that uh, allowed people to basically stand on a glacier as it was. They were basically on a scientific expedition up there. And you're up close and personal as you see icebergs melting and sloughing off. And to actually be there and to be able to go under the water and to see how it's receded, it's a much different experience to feel as though you're actually there. And it connects you to it in a different way. And I think that that is probably the biggest strength of VR, I think, is its ability to invest us in parts of this world that are difficult to wrap our brains around. You know, there are a couple of experiences that actually make you a tree and you experience what it's like to go through the whole life cycle of a tree. They've also done some experiments. This is interesting and I think pertinent. Jeremy Balenson up at Stanford has got the Virtual Human Interactive Lab, and he's been doing a lot of the heavy lifting as far as studying the effects of virtual reality in a laboratory setting. So they have done an experiment based upon toilet paper consumption. 
And what they have you do is they have you come into the lab, you put on the VR headset, you pick up the controllers so you can move your hands around and kind of interact with your hands, and they have you saw down a tree. That you go through the physical labor required to saw a tree down, and then the tree falls, and then you're done. But it takes a while, because it takes a while to cut a tree down. And then they followed the participants in the study, and I think the control cases where you watch a video about how many trees that the average human being will use 50 trees worth of toilet paper in their life. And so they have people like, you know, read something and they have people watch a regular video and then they have people do a VR experience where they actually have to go through the physical labor of sawing down a tree. And they followed up with the people and they found that those people who had actually experienced it in VR use less toilet paper on average over time just because they went through this virtual reality experience. And part of the idea is that so much of our life, what makes us who we are, is made up of these five-minute experiences that we have, whether they're good or they're bad, and that we can kind of start to shape humans' behavior by creating these virtual reality experiences that give them a different perspective on their lives, the lives of others, and really how we're all connected in an interdependent system that creates this enormously complex world. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T torg Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. So Rory, I think you should work in the sustainability realm because you just articulated like the system and the interdisciplinary nature of people and planet and human behavior change all very well. And again, it's further evidence that this conversation needs to happen and needs to continue happening. I mean, your example of the toilet paper and the cutting down the tree is hilarious. But I will also say one of the things that I think people hate about tree huggers, environmentalists, sustainability people, yours truly is you know, we kind of trade on the holier than now. We trade on the look at you and you're not recycling and look at you, you're not driving an EV vehicle. And the clearly a shame-based profile or a shame-based strategy is a fail. It's not going to work. Human behavior is the hardest thing to change. But back to your point, it's like VR has this potential to be immersive in ways that other methods are not. And so the question then becomes is, you know, your example of to go back to Cascadian, but I know that you've done some other things that aren't necessarily, quote unquote, in the sustainability realm, but that bring immersion or bring something to something that might be, I don't know, considered pretty dry or wonkish. So I know you've done some work on like labor, like safety and standards. Like, could you talk a little bit about that example? Because I think that's actually very relevant to this broader conversation. Yeah, I think so. So I recently just worked on a project with the UCLA Labor Occupational Safety Hazard Group with the United Steelworkers. That was a 16 by 9 project, so not a VR project. But I think that a better example of this might be using VR to 
tackle something that is maybe a little dry or academic and to find the emotional heart of the thing. Just this past weekend, I was at the Kukuloris Film Festival in North Carolina because they were showing a VR doc. Sorry to interrupt you, but for those of us that aren't aware, tell us a little bit about that festival. It's a great festival. It's in Wilmington. They're very friendly and welcoming. It's a smaller festival that's really geared towards filmmakers, and it has a social justice bent as well. It's great. It's been going on for a while. Wilmington is really a jewel of the South down there. So a VR documentary that I made with my producer, Josh Poland, was playing there. And it basically tries to give the viewer a 360-degree view of gentrification. Now, gentrification is something that we hear a lot of all of the time, but I thought that we could use VR to place people at the different nexuses of gentrification. And so one of the interesting things about VR in a documentary setting is that when you put the viewer in the headset, it feels as though you are sitting down across from the interview subject, looking them in the eye, and you're able to better understand where they're coming from. Also because you're in their environment and you can feel their environment. So the gentrification battle that we've been filming in is in Boyle Heights here in Los Angeles, and it follows a bunch of New York City blue chip art galleries who moved into an industrial section of a residential neighborhood. So it's really right up next to houses and everything there. And then you found that landlords were starting to raise the rents and evict people because they could claim that this was now an arts district. So for folks who are not familiar with the term art washing, it kind of uses art as the tip of the spear for gentrification. But it was interesting because we're able to put you in the small one-room apartment where a family of six has just had their rent raised 300%. We're able to put you in the homes of the activists and in the coffee shops and the galleries of the people who are moving it forward. And I think that viewers came out of it feeling that they had a human level understanding of what is an inordinately complex system that is very difficult, I think, to wrap our brain around it. And I think that this applies to any human system, any interdependent system. VR can be useful as far as helping you understand how the human experience of these inordinately complex systems and possibly how they all interact with each other. And the hope is that by better understanding how these different nodes interact with each other, we might be able to propose a better way of moving forward. So I think what you're saying is, Rory, VR can save the world. I think it maybe already has, and the world hasn't realized it yet. Well, (laughs) what a great way to end on. Rory, thanks so much for being on, and we look forward to some more of the work that you and colleagues do and to make the complex less complex. Thanks so much for having me here, Lane. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining Garnett and Mark on the Innovation Podcast. Visit the innovationpodcast.co to subscribe and listen to other episodes.